Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast listeners out there. Mike Randall and Gus Kearns working hard to bring you this team preview series during the preseason and first couple of games of the season for the 2017-2018 college basketball season. We hope that you guys have been enjoying how much information we're spreading and the effort that Mike and I are putting in to give you guys and get you guys caught up to date. Thank you guys for tuning in. We totally appreciate that part. Today, we were lucky enough to talk some Nevada Wolfpack basketball with Chris Murray of the Reno Gazette Journal. You can find Chris on Twitter at capital M-U-R-R-A-Y, capital R, capital G, capital J. That's Murray R-G-J. And you can find his stuff very simply at rgj.com. Chris does an unbelievable job of giving you the feel of what the Nevada Wolfpack basketball team is up to and even gave you a really authentic feel on what the vibe was after their first charity game and how Coach Musselman called them one of the top seven teams in the Mountain West Conference after their lackadaisical defensive performance in the second half. Chris really caught us up to date on Jordan Caroline, the rest of the roster, some of the transfers, Coach Musselman, and some of the schedule moving forward, and even made a prediction toward the end of the podcast. So please stay tuned for that. So again, listeners, thank you so much for tuning into the team preview series that Mike and I have been putting together for you guys this preseason We've really enjoyed it. So please enjoy the, the conversation with Chris Murray of the Reno Gazette Journal. Cheers, gratulatia, and salamcha. All right, welcome in Screen the Screener, college basketball podcast listeners. We're going to continue our team preview series here. And luckily, we have Chris Murray from the Reno Gazette Journal. You can follow Chris at Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, capital R, capital G, capital J. And you can find his stuff at rgj.com. That's the renogazettejournal.com. Chris, thank you so much for giving us some time to talk some Nevada basketball for the people out there. Thank you for jumping in. And uh, how are you doing today? Pretty well. How are you doing? Uh, Doing fantastic. Uh, Let's just jump right into the conversation. Hey, I have to say that one of my favorite players this season coming up has to be Jordan Caroline. The dude is a bowling ball of athletic power. Totally reminds us of, like, the good Lance Stevenson, not the poor Lance Stevenson. Uh, He led the league in offensive rebounding last year. Is he going to average a double-double this year? What are East Coast people missing by not staying up late watching Caroline? Just how good is this guy? He's really good. I mean, he obviously um, wasn't super heralded coming out of high school. He played for uh, Montverde Academy, uh, you know, with Ben Simmons, with some great players, D'Angelo Russell. Um, So he was kind of always under the radar. And then, you know, spent a year at Southern Illinois, transferred to Nevada after that year. Um, he has great bloodlines. I mean, his dad, uh, Simeon Rice, was uh, a multi-time uh, all-pro in the NFL. His grandfather, J.C. Caroline, uh, was a pro bowler as well at the NFL level. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame. So just from a physical standpoint, like you said, he's kind of a bowling ball, uh, just a bowl of strength. Uh, and then just plays super hard. Basically plays harder than everybody out there on the court. Um, and he's added a lot of skill during his time at Nevada. He's become a better three-point shooter. Um, he's, uh, become better, uh, playmaker with Marcus Marshall and, and Cameron Oliver moving on from Nevada. Um, he's going to take a larger role as far as that's concerned. They want him to shoot the three pointer, uh, more this season, maybe, you know, make 50 to 60 of those. They're going to give him the ball in, uh, you know, late situations when they need a basket. Um, they're going to give him the ball in isolation situations and, 
Uh, you know, he can do a lot of good things. He uh, set the Wolfpack record in free throws attempted last season. Only shot 59%, so that's certainly something that he wants to improve upon. Um, but, you know, he's, he's already the heart and soul of his team from last year, and he's going to remain uh, that only being a junior this season. Um, but he, he's a lot more skilled maybe than people give him credit for. Obviously, he has the physical stature, uh, and, you know, he plays definitely harder than anybody out there. Um, but I think people are going to see a little bit more of him showing those skills this year because Nevada had four all-conference players last season. He's the only one that returned of those four. Uh, Nevada still has some, you know, very talented players around him, uh, but he's going to be the guy who leads this team from an offensive standpoint and from an emotional standpoint as well. Yeah, that's interesting because the part that interests me the most about him is just it seems like his effort and his execution. He, he definitely is not afraid of contact. He does not shy away from it. And you mentioned the, the free throws attempted. I think that number is just going to go up this year. It's interesting that they want him to shoot more threes this year. Uh, I can't wait to see that expansion of his game. And every great program needs like that lifer, that program vet, and uh, luckily, Nevada has that with Lindsey Drew. He's a junior point guard. He definitely he returns. He didn't even score a ton last year, like you mentioned with Marshall and Oliver putting up a ton of points. He had a pretty favorable turnover to assist ratio, about two and a half to one ish. About that. Um, how nice is it to have Drew back to run the show and be the major ball handler and the and an upperclassman that really teams value and are in high demand. How important is Drew? And do you think uh, just a you know a uh, offshoot here. Do you think Josh Hall will help him at all with the ball handling duties? Yeah, I mean, I think he's a huge piece just because Nevada's done a really good job under Coach Balsamano of bringing in Division One transfers and continuing to fill that pipeline of players. Um, so while they're a pretty veteran team as far as playing games, uh, it's not a lot of veterans who have actually played games for Coach Balsamano. Really, it's Jordan Caroline, Lindsey Drew, Josh Hall, and Elijah Foster. They only have four scholarship guys who have actually played for Nevada under Musselman. Um So it's it, it's, you know, good to have that point guard coming back. And, you know, he's done a great job his first two years there. He's basically been a starter since he stepped on campus. Obviously, most people know his dad, Larry Drew, was a, you know, two-time NBA head coach. His brother, Larry Drew II, was a national champion in North Carolina. Um, so he comes from, obviously, a great basketball family. He has the great IQ. He's always going to make the, the right basketball play. Like you said, doesn't turn it over a lot. He's their best perimeter defender. So he's going to draw the opposition's best, uh, you know, scoring player out on the uh, perimeter. Um, so very versatile in what he can do. I think he's probably a better offensive player than what he's shown. He's kind of a pass-first kind of guy, only average about five points per game. Um, but he played really well in the NCAA tournament, scored in double digits, uh, had a highlight real dunk on top of Deontay Burton. I uh, did that yeah. a couple of times last year. It really raised his, his three-point shooting. Uh, he went from being a bad three-point shooter and really an offensive liability overall as a freshman to shooting better than 40% last season from three uh, and you know being more of an impact on that side. Uh, as far as being able to score, I mean, he was always able to put people in the right position. I think he's going to be pushed a little bit more this year than the years past. I mean, he was really Nevada's only true point guard the last few seasons. Um, but he's going to be pushed, like you said, not only by Josh Hall, who's kind of a wing player who can play point guard, but also Cody Martin, the transfer from North Carolina State. He's a six foot seven guy, but he's kind of a point guard as well. Um, so there are going to be, you know, he's going to have to earn his minutes. I mean, he's going to start at the beginning of the season. Um, but it's not going to be like in years past where he's going to get 35, 30 minutes no matter what. Uh, there are other capable point guards who can have their ball in the hand and make plays uh, this season kind of behind him. I think that will bring out the best in him. I think that's kind of a key for the the entire Wolfpack. I mean, Coach Musselman's first two years, they just haven't had any depth. So they're really, you know, they're playing seven, maybe eight guys, and all of those guys are going to play regardless of how they're playing and how hard of an effort they're giving just based on they don't have a lot of scholarship guys. This year they have nine guys out there. 
uh, still four transfers who are sitting out this season, so it's not a super deep team. But all nine guys can play at an impact level, so they're all going to have to play hard to get on the court because Coach Musselman likes to use a shorter rotation. And I think that fills Lindsey uh, Drew's role as well. I think he's going to be a productive player, but he's going to have to be productive because there are other capable players behind him. No, nothing wrong with a little peer pressure from your teammates to, mm-hmm. to push the envelope a little bit. I'm okay with that as far as Drew's concerned. You mentioned Coach Musselman. He's been on the job for two-plus years. So can Coach Muss build on that, and what coaching traits help guide this Wolfpack squad towards another possible you know, Mountain West, West title? And can he get all these new bodies on the same page on both sides of the floor this season? A coach is really going to earn his money this season trying to get these guys to buy into both sides of the floor and, 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 and the program and to get everybody on the same page because it seems like you mentioned he only has four scholarship players back, and he's trying to integrate all these new bodies. So talk about Coach Muss yeah, think, and, and what makes him so successful. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the good things in that nature is that four of the guys who were transferred sitting out last year were on the team and practice with the team. You have Caleb and Cody Martin from North Carolina, Hallis Cook from Iowa State, and Kendall Stevens from Purdue. So this is still their second year in the program. Of course, they haven't played in games, but I think they know the system a lot better, and they're going to be ready to be integrated because they've played with these guys a lot. Uh, and then there's another transfer, Darian Williams from St. John's, the center, who's a grad transfer who they can throw in there as well. So that helps. But, yeah, there's going to be an adjustment period. It's helpful that they went to Costa Rica over the offseason and got to play five games together. They actually played three exhibition games, took advantage of the charity exhibition game, and played Grand Canyon, which is favored to win the WAC. So these guys have played together a pretty good amount, and I think that's positive. But, I mean, Coach Musk has done a great job. He took over a nine-win program that had really struggled since moving to the Mountain West in 2012. In his first year, they go from nine wins up to 24 wins and win the CBI, which was the first championship in the postseason for any Mountain West team. After that, they go up to 28 wins, win the uh, Mountain West regular season, and conference tournament gets to the NCAA tournament for the first time in 10 years. So, yeah, the expectation is another step forward, but it's kind of hard to move forward when you're coming off a 28-7 and win season. I think the town is there to put up a very similar season. Uh, you know, I think this is a team that very likely will be in the NCAA tournament. Uh, but they're playing the Mountain West, and the Mountain West is coming off back-to-back years with just one team in the tournament. So it really could come down to the conference tournament. The Wolfpack has tried to upgrade its schedule, so it gives itself a shot in that large. Um, but it, it, that's 50-50 whether the Mountain West is going to actually be able to get two teams in. So it'll be a push to try and match and even beat what they did last season. Almost everybody on this roster has played in the NCAA tournament. All of the transfers, except for Darian Williams, has been in the NCAA tournament game. And then, uh, obviously, all of the players returning from last year played in the NCAA tournament. So this is a team that doesn't just want to get to the tournament because they've already done that. They want to go win in advance and, and move on. But I think, you know, to define Coach Musselman is very difficult. I mean, he's a very fiery guy. He hates to lose. As competitive as they come, pushes the players exceptionally hard. You have to have thick skin to be able to play for him. Um, he's not going to take it easy on anybody, whether you're Jordan Caroline or the, you know, the last walk-on who made the team. Um, but that's obviously, you know, paid off. I mean, this is a guy who... Uh, you know, whose dad uh, was kind of known for being a, an exceptionally passionate guy. His dad was an NBA head coach, coach of Minnesota. Um, obviously, Coach Musselman had two stints uh, in the NBA with Golden State and Sacramento. But I think he's really come to love the college game, which he didn't get into until about five years ago. Uh, I think he enjoys being able to develop players and, uh, you know, continue to push them. But like I said, I mean, you have to have a tough team to play for this guy because he is uh, as driven to win as any coach in the, in the nation, in my opinion. Wow, that, that that's an unbelievable thumbnail sketch of Coach Musselman. Uh, thank you for doing that, uh, running that down, Chris. That is crazy. Um, you mentioned the amount of transfers, and it's kind of staggering. I mean, you mentioned Martin, uh, the Martin twins, uh, Stevens. You mentioned Williams from St. John's, Henson, among others. 
it, like it, it seems like he really values this the positionless like six six ish six eight ish like ball handlers playmakers. Is this team gonna like morph into like the NBA positionless team? And will the lack of a true rim protector, even though we love Foster inside, hurt in the long run? Like, what's the early feel on uh, the latest Wolf Wolfpack squad? And like, is everybody meshing? Is it working? Is it, is it coming together? Or are we we hitting some speed bumps along the way here? Yeah, I mean, mentioning the positionless basketball. I mean, that's something that he said in his first press conference when he got the job two years ago. Is that he wants to play positionless basketball? He wants to shoot a lot of threes. He wants to get it up up and down and. Uh, really pleased the fans and playing an entertaining, entertaining and exciting brand of, of basketball. And I think he finally has that roster where they can legitimately run out, you know, five guys who are all six seven or six eight, um, and not really have any problems as far as having a point guard. Because like we mentioned, I mean, Josh Hall and Cody Martin are both very capable of doing that. Even Lindsey Drew is six foot four, which is big for a point guard. But yeah, they don't have the true center. They don't have the guy like Cameron Oliver uh, who's going to protect the rim and really, you know, be an imp- imposing force down low. Um, but they have, like you said, I mean, they don't really have positions. They just go out there and play basketball. Um, and I, I do think that not having a rim protector is going to be an issue for this team. I mean, Cameron Oliver uh, was the fastest player in college basketball history uh, to 200 blocks. I mean, he was, uh, you know, set single season uh, record as a freshman uh, for any class at Nevada in blocks uh, and then came back last year and had 90-plus blocks again. I don't think Nevada as a team will have as many blocks as Cam did by himself last year. So they're going to have to change right. how they play defense. They're going to have to. Uh, they're obviously going to be able to switch any screen because of that length. Uh, Coach Musselman is really stressed. We need to take charges this year because we don't have somebody who's going to go and block a shot uh, and bail you out. Um, so you need to be able to sacrifice your body. Uh, I do think the length will help a lot. But yeah, I mean, I think this team is going to be very good offensively. Uh, how far it goes in the NCAA tournament, whether it gets there, whether it wins games, whether it can defend its Mountain West title, I think that all comes to how well they play defense. Because the potential with the length is great, um, but they weren't a great defensive team last year. Two years ago, Musselman's first team, this team struggled to score so much and couldn't shoot the three that they had to be great on defense or they weren't going to win any games. They really bought into that. Uh, last year's team, it kind of flipped a little bit because they were so talented offensively. So we'll see if they can finally blend the two together. I mean, year one, it was a defensive team. Year two, it was an offensive team. Can they put them both together, have top 25 or top 50-ish offense and defense together? Um, because I think the potential is there to do that, uh, and they're going to really have to buy in on defense because there's not going to be one guy who's clean up all of the messes and, you know, block four or five shots and alter four or five shots a game to really, you know, bring down the opposition's percentage uh, shooting wise. Yeah, you mentioned Cam. Uh, loved Cam last year. He was definitely an eraser of a bunch of uh, perimeter mistakes for sure. Um, and love that he got like a little, you know, love that he got drafted in the second round of the NBA draft last year. Uh, big fan of Cam Oliver. Hey, you, you mentioned uh, like what Coach Musselman said that he'd like to do for the fans of the Nevada Wolfpack. Um, so let's go right to where the fans sit and let's take a look at Lawler uh, Event Center. It seems legit. There's like you know over 10k, 11k that that fit in there. Does it fill up? What kind of vibe at a Wolfpack home game is going to happen there? Does they have a huge home court advantage? Does the student section play a role? Like, give us a little thumbnail sketch and take us into a, a, a Nevada Wolfpack home game. Yeah, I mean, they certainly have uh, over the last two years. Before Muslim got here, not much at all. Um, I mean, they were up where they had, uh, if you remember the Mark Fox, Trent Johnson days with Nick Fazekas. Now we're going back to 2014 through 07. They made four straight NCAA tournaments. They made, made the Sweet 16 in 2004. Um, during those days, they got up to like 9,000 season ticket holders. That had chipped down to about 4,000 before Muslim 
uh, was hired. And, you know, they've added more than 1,000 season ticket holders this year. Uh, so they're going to be right around 6,000 season ticket holders. Last year, they actually set the record for attendance per game. It was a shade under 9,000. They sold out four games. They had five games that were in the top 10 um, as far as attendance is concerned in Lawler's history. And Lawler's 32 years old. Uh, so the, uh, the enthusiasm and excitement is very much back uh, at Lawler Event Center. And I think it's very well timed because the basketball or the football team had been struggling a lot. They fired their coach after last season. They're currently 1-8 this season. Um, so I think a lot of fans have kind of moved from the football bandwagon onto the basketball bandwagon. Uh, obviously, this team has played very good basketball the last two years, and Coach Musselman has done a good job of trying to connect with the community, trying to market this program on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, you know, doing a lot of events out in the community. And, uh, you know, the community has really responded. I mean, they sh- sh- really showed through that 2004 through 07 window that if you win here, they're going to come out and support you because they were regularly, you know, get near sellouts. Uh, and then they, you know, again showed that last year. There was a huge jump up, um, sold out the UNLV game, sold out a game uh, against Colorado State at the end of the year um, for the uh, Mountain West regular season title on the line. So, yeah, I expect some pretty big crowds this year. I would imagine they're going to average around nine to 10,000. Uh, obviously, getting that season ticket base up 1,000 is a huge step in the right direction for this program. Uh, and they did that despite raising ticket prices. They raised ticket prices each of the last two years, uh, you know, anywhere from about 20 to 40%, depending upon what seat you have. And, and fans are still coming back. I mean, they had a 97% retention rate on season ticket holders from last year um, coming back this year, and that was the highest in school history. So, yeah, a lot of good things happening not only on the court, but within the arena with people coming out and really supporting this program. That, that, that's nuts, those numbers, and especially with those percentages of price increase. Uh, good job to the Wolfpack mm-hmm. fan base. That's unbelievable. Um, and, uh, yeah, I remember that team really well with Fazekas. I think Sessions was on that team too. So they had a ton yeah. of great players on that team back in the day. I'm glad they're going to try to revisit that, uh, that success that they had. Um, you know, like you mentioned back in uh, 07, 08, 09, talking about games that they have an opportunity before you mentioned this earlier uh, in the conversation, where they tried to beef up their off you know, their non-conference schedule, you know they have uh, Rhode Island, they have Texas Tech, they have TCU, UC Davis, which is a tricky game. They got Davidson, who's always efficient on offense. Uh, a tricky game with uh, you know a Valley Power, Illinois State. So they have these important games early to get these important wins on the non-conference schedule. So talk about the importance of like these games that you were mentioning earlier. And then how did the uh, charity game go, Grand Canyon? Because Grand Canyon is one of the favors, uh, favorites in the WAC. Yeah, so Nevada won that game by uh, nine points, I believe it was. Uh, Coach wasn't thrilled with how they played, and uh, Grand Valley's best player didn't right. play. He was injured. So he sat that one out. So, uh, you know, I think he was happy. He's been, you know, more or less happy with how non-conferences or exhibition games have gone. Uh, after the second one against Santa Fosse, he kind of ripped the team because they gave up 50 points in the second half. They were up by like 35 at halftime and just kind of, you know, eased off the title. And he, you know, he kind of, you know, said we're not even one of the top seven teams in the Mountain West right now. So, you know, he can get into them pretty good. But they responded with a really good game uh, against Dominican University. And, yeah, I mean, their non-conference schedule, it doesn't have that marquee game. It doesn't have that top 25 game where you're like, okay, if we win this, this is a quality win and nobody can deny it. Uh, but there are probably like eight to ten games that are kind of, what you would consider a you know a quality opponent. It should be a top 100 RPI team. You have TCU who could maybe get into the rankings. You have Rhode Island, one of the best in majors, who could get into the rankings. You have Texas Tech, who's supposed to be better in Chris Beard's second season. Uh, they open the season with Idaho, which isn't a huge huge name, but they're projected to win the Big Sky. Yeah, I mean you you look at Illinois State. Now they're probably not going to be as good as they were last year, but you know they could win the Missouri Valley. Um, so that could be a big game as well. Hawaii is supposed to be pretty decent. Nevada has a road game there. 
Uh, and they play a lot of games. They have 32 games this season. They were able to get an exempt game for that Hawaii game, an exempt game because they're playing in a, a neutral court tournament. Um, so it's a very difficult schedule from uh, dates uh, respect. I mean, they basically play a game, have two days off, play a game, have two days off, play a game, have two days off, basically for six months or for six for a six-week period before Christmas hits. So they're going to play a lot of games. Coach Musselman obviously is familiar with the NBA. He said it's like an NBA schedule as far as the travel is concerned. A lot of their better games are on the road, and the you know committee said that they're going to value road wins more this year than they had in the past. Um, so obviously some of these teams are going to have to play well. I mean, Idaho is going to have to play well. Pacific is going to have to be better. UC Davis, but Illinois State, um, it, it's not like they have this power of five opponents that's just going to be great. You know that they're going to be good. Uh, you know, they tried to beef up the schedule last year. They played Washington and Oregon State, and both of those teams were absolutely horrible. Uh, and that really yeah. hurt their strength of schedule and their RPI numbers. So, I mean, whenever you are setting a schedule, there's a little bit of margin for error. And, you know, given that a lot of the Nevada's better opponents are mid-majors, maybe that margin for error is a little bit less. But I think they have enough quality teams on there that, you know, they could put together a top 30, 40 RPI season if they can win 25-plus games again. Yeah, it seems like the the 25, you know, you mentioned 28 wins last year, that plateau, like they want to reach that level again. But I think what's really going to define them is like how they do in March. So I, I, I totally agree yeah. with your with your rundown there. Like they have the opportunity here to get some great wins and to build that RPI up. Uh, let's see if they take advantage of it. But then also, you know, I don't think the total number of wins during the season is going to define them uh, as far as like total success for the Wolfpack this season. So, Chris, we'll get you out of here on this one. Thank you again so much for giving the screen the screener podcast a few minutes. All right, if you're going to look into the crystal ball, you're going to play fortune teller. Give us a few predictions for the Wolfpack this season. Uh, uh, do you feel like they're going to be the overall favorite in the conference? And and give us like a, a you know, a, a further multiple month prediction. How are they going to do in March? Like, is it, are they going to be defined by the success they have in March? Or is it going to be another one and done for the Wolfpack this year? Yeah, I mean, just looking at how the Mountain West stacks up, I mean, Nevada, to me, is the clear favorite. I put them number one on my preseason poll. Uh, there are some other talented teams. You look at, like, a Fresno State. Their backcourt is very talented, and they always play hard for Rodney Terry. You look at San Diego State. They always have a ton of talent. Obviously, they lose Steve Fisher. I have right. a first-year coach, but that he had been, you know, head coach and waiting for basically three decades. So, uh, you know, that's a pretty seamless transition. Boise State has Chandler Hutchinson, who's the preseason player of the year, potentially an NBA player. Right. Uh, a couple of transfers, you should be able to make an impact there. So, I mean, there are some other teams you look at and you say, okay, these, these are going to be solid teams, but there's no team like Nevada, I don't think, uh, as far as the talent standpoint, the cohesive standpoint, the coaching standpoint. I think all of it adds up for Nevada to win the regular season. Um, but I don't know. I, I just I have seen a lot of articles saying, well, the Mountain West is going to get back to being a two-bit league, you know, this year. And I'm like, I don't – I just don't see it. I mean, there are – uh, the trajectory of the conference over the last four years has just been in a downward spiral to some degree. They lost Utah, they lost BYU. That first year as a nine-team uh, you know, league, they, they put five in the tournament, but they only won a couple of games. And since that point, it's kind of been downhill. New Mexico is going to be struggling because they basically returned nobody. UNLV should be better uh, because they have a very good recruiting class, but I don't know if they're going to be the caliber of team you usually see from UNLV. So when the traditional powers are down, then you have traditionally four teams like Air Force, like San Jose State. Um, I, I just don't see this being a multi-bed league again. Uh, so it really does come down to how does Nevada play in the conference tournament. I think they'll win the regular season. But if they don't come out and win the conference tournament, they're going to put themselves in a very you know tricky predicament. They were 28-6 and six heading into Selection Sunday last year, and they wouldn't have been in the tournament had they not won their conference tournament. So 
uh, like we said, a very thin margin of error. Uh, if they do end up going and winning the conference tournament, getting the NCAA tournament, I think they'll have a legitimate shot to win a game if it's a good matchup for them just because of how offensively talented this team is and how well they can shoot the three-point ball. Obviously, it'll have to be a smaller team if they face a team with a couple of seven-footers and a lot of, uh, you know, inside depth uh, and, and skill. I think that's going to give them some trouble based on how, you know, small of a roster this is. So it's kind of hard to predict that they're going to win a tournament game when we don't know who they're going to play. Um, right. But, yeah, I mean, I think the fans' expectation is that if, if you don't get to the NCAA tournament this year, it's probably not going to be deemed a success no matter what happens for the rest of the year. I don't think they're at the point where, you know, they're saying, well, you have to go in and win a game. I think the players kind of feel that way just because of, like we said, a lot of these guys have already played in the tournament and even won games in it. I don't think they're going to be happy if they just get there again and don't win games. Um, But I think from a fan perspective, if Nevada gets to the NCAA tournament, it's a successful season. Anything beyond that kind of, uh, you know, uh, icing on the cake and bonus time. But if they don't get to the tournament on the other side, if if the Mountain West is a one-big league and, uh, you know, Nevada doesn't win the conference tournament, I think it's going to be probably – Maybe not called a failure, um, but certainly not called a success if, if they're going to the NIT again based on, you know, where this team is from a talent perspective and what they were able to do last year. Uh, so accurate on so many fronts there. I, I, I loved your, your pickup of, like, if they face a team with size, and that's exactly what they ran into last year with Purdue, with mm-hmm. Haas, Biggie, and the rest of the, the size that Purdue presented to them. So I, I, if they run into the same problem, they, they, they might run into the same result. So that's a spot-on analysis by you. Thank you so much, Chris. And again, we want to thank Chris Murray from the Reno Gazette Journal. Uh, he was kind enough to give us a little time here and give you, the, give you guys, the listeners, a little rundown on the Nevada Wolfpack and their basketball season. Chris, thank you so much for giving us a couple minutes. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks for having me.